Hello, and welcome to Our Food is Our Future, presented by Eat Well Saskatchewan and the College of Pharmacy and Nutrition at the University of Saskatchewan. I'm your host and food explorer, Mo Matthew. Our guest this week is the wandering Métis, Jason McKay. Jason McKay is a proud Métis man, born and raised in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, and is the proud father of his son, Nolan. Jason's roots are from the Glen Mary Métis Settlement, just outside of Canistano, Saskatchewan. He also has strong roots to Muscaday First Nations. Jason graduated from Suntep in Prince Albert before joining the Métis Nation of Saskatchewan, where he would progress to the Director of Education position. He would debut as the Wandering Métis at Back to Batoche Days in 2022, capturing stories on video of his experiences there. He is currently in that role full-time recording celebrations, cultural events, and the Métis way of life here in Saskatchewan and beyond. Everybody, this is Jason. Okay, here we are with the Wandering Métis. I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from, your background, and, and your current role. Okay, Mo, I'm a proud Métis man, born and raised in Prince Albert. My family roots are from the Glen Murray Métis Settlement, which is between Canistano and the North Saskatchewan River. So north of Canistano, from there, my, my Métis family was moved from uh, there to Green Lake, where my dad uh, grew up his younger years. My grandfather moved his family there via horse and buggy when my dad was about four or five. So he remembers uh-huh. he remembers part of the track trek going up to Green Lake and and ending up there and there was nothing but solid bush so my grandpa's family ended up being loggers and uh, my mom's family was originally from Glen Murray as well but when the the indigenous people got moved out of there the the government came to build roads my grand grandmother's family took their treaty status and then so they ended up at Muscaday First Nation so I am very close to my Métis and my First Nations roots. Wow, that that sounds like a lot of history already. Yeah, it is. Yeah. When when you're the wandering Métis right now, how long have you been the wandering Métis? Well, Mo, it it was all. If you want me to be totally honest with you, Mo, it was kind of created by fluke. Um, two years <laughs> ago, Batoche. <laughs> yes, that's the way things are. Two years ago at Batoche. I was the director of education at the time, and uh, we had two tents, you know, for um, kids to come and just hang out, get away from their families, and and enjoy themselves, like just with other youth the same age. And I was the education director, and uh, we had a tent, and there was myself, uh, the the lady that was working beside me, and and another lady. And I said, well, we don't need three of us here to manage one tent. I said, why don't I just go and help and do whatever. And they said, okay, sure, we can look after this. So I went to a Batoche planning meeting. And in the meeting, they said, well, we're looking for somebody to walk around the grounds and talk to people and capture it on video. And I volunteered. I put up my hand. I said, I'll do that. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, that'll, shit, yeah, that'll be fun. So I did. I I volunteered. I, I was helping set up the tent, you know, and then I said, I'm going to I'm gonna go do my thing with the video. And I took my cell phone. I, I borrowed a selfie stick off the one of the girls. She said, my, my daughter has a selfie stick. So I borrowed the selfie stick. I, I started walking around, I, you know, and I hit record and I'd, and I'd just say, hey, I'm the Wandering Métis here at Batoche. And then I started talking to people and I, I just kept saying it over and over and over, the Wandering Métis. Hi, I'm the Wandering Métis. And uh, that's just how it happened. I I, I ended up walking around Batoche for <clears throat> three days and talking to over 200 people, and I captured it all on video. I turned wow. it over. 
I turned it over to the team. They created a little uh, clip, condensed clip of all the interviews, and they turned it over to management. Management said, we love this. We want you to do it full time. And that's basically just how the Wandering Métis was born. Wow. And how long, how many years is that now? Two? So this will be our second year. So officially we started not this past October, but the October before we announced it to the directors. This, this is going to be what's happening. Jason's going to transition into the Wandering Métis out of the education director role. And then I started going around the province and talking to people and capturing stories. And that's just how it was born. Wow. That's really interesting. Um, so in your wandering... Have you found mm-hmm. many Métis people uh, growing their own food or hunting their own food to help them with either food security or just for just for fun? Well, you know what, Mo, with that question, one of the things that sticks out with me the most is I attended a trapping school in Laloche. Ducharme Elementary invited me up to Laloche to go to a trapping school. They say we 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 send kids. They have a they have a dedicated cabin for one for high school kids, one for elementary kids. So they send classrooms at for a, a I believe it's a week at a time. They take them out of their homes. They go to the trapping school, but there they they teach kids sustenance living. So they teach them how to set snares for rabbits, for lynx, for you know whatever they can snare, and they learn how to to commercial fish at the same time. So they're they're catching their own food. And they teach them how to, to fill up the fish. They teach them how to skin rabbits. And, and uh, at that time, when I was there, they were skinning an otter. And so, yeah, they were kind of like providing for themselves the way it used to be for our people. So when you ask me that question, that really sticks out to me the most because because kids are getting a hands-on learning. They're not just, you know, picking up a textbook, reading, hey, Mo, Mo learned how to fill out a fish. They're there doing it. And Dishram Elementary is doing a wonderful job sending the kids out, you know, just giving them a taste of what life used to be like. That's an amazing experience for those kids. I'll, I'll give you one story out, out of that. My week, I believe I spent three days there, Mo, and I'm one that I'll try anything once. I'll try any food one time. And at that time, they boiled up sucker heads and red sucker heads and, you know, what people think of sucker fish, like most people just throw them away, right? So they're like, we're going to have sucker head for, for supper. We want you to try it. I'm like, sure, I'll try it. He said, eat the tongue first because that's the most flavorful part. And sure enough, the the sucker head was boiled and I was pulling it apart. And they showed me where the tongue is. And the first thing I ate was the tongue. And it was it was awesome. <laughs> you you got to be a little bit of a food adventurer yourself to do that. That's great. Yeah. And so you'd recommend it to, to, to us out here? The, the sucker head? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> try it. Just try it one time. You never know. I, I had uh, sucker heads once and it was boiled, but then it was left to sit. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, a gelatin that comes out of the fish. And so it was more, it set up like a, almost like a fish sausage. And so that was my uh, opportunity with suckers. And yeah, it was memorable. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it was. So, so we hear our food is our, our future. Um, we kind of use a term, uh, food is medicine, is a theme for us. And we keep on using that over and over again. And it means so much to different people. Um, 
So many communities across the world endorse this philosophy, but what does this mean to you? And can you kind of speak for Métis people when you're speaking? Well, traditionally, Mo, like, as we all know, there wasn't grocery stores back in the day where our ancestors came from. You know, everything, the land provided everything. So when you say food is life, food is life because our people grew their own vegetables, you know, there were, and you had to hunt, you had to trap, you had to fish for you. If you, if you didn't hunt, trap or fish, you were pretty skinny, skinny Métis. So, <laughs> so food is life in that way. Like the land provided everything. And, you know, I, I have different opinions on, you know, like sugar being introduced to our people and, and, you know, different things, you know. So when, when you see people still growing gardens today, like, and providing for themselves and, and having root cellars and, and canning and freezing, like, that's the way life used to be like. And I, I honestly wish we could get back to that because food has become so commercialized, you know, via restaurants or, 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 um, grocery stores and look at the price of groceries these days like oh my goodness so you know i don't understand you know how does somebody making minimum wage or 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 on assistance how do they feed themselves you know because everything's so expensive these days and but food is life food has always been life and food has been medicine for people and that's that's my take on that and i can't speak for every metis in saskatchewan but i can speak for you know a few i guess I guess. Yeah, I guess I'm going to put you on the uh, spot like that a couple times today, but yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, I, I'm a proud Métis myself, so when when I'm hearing you speak, I'm like, yeah, you can speak for us. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, Thank you. So that kind of ties into the next question. What does the term traditional food mean to you? Well, they're just what I talked about, you know, when I think traditional food, I think rabbits, I think moose, I think deer, like, you know, the the things that the land provided, that's traditional food, you know, bannock, lagalette, you know, my family, we grew up, we always had meat, potatoes and bread on the table, every single meal, that's what my mom and dad ate. And so we just grew up, you know, a meat and potatoes family. But but when I say that, I think rabbits, I think moose, deer, everything like that. Like the land provided everything. Yep, that's that. Lots of families, and especially being lucky enough to live in the northern part of Saskatchewan, it's probably more prevalent up there for sure. Yeah. So if we if we kind of have this feeling the traditional foods are really good and they're bringing us back to basics and they were a, a healthy lifestyle that we had from those traditional foods. Why don't more people include these foods in their diets? Do you see any barriers or what are well, our barriers? Well, not everybody knows how to hunt. Not everybody has a gun, you know, no, not everybody has access to those resources. You know, there's laws around hunting and stuff now that traditionally there was no laws. Like our people just followed the buffalo wherever the buffalo went. Our people went. There was no there was no 49th parallel. There was none of that. There was no boundaries. You could go and follow the buffalo and along the way, you know, snare some rabbits and, and maybe some prairie chickens or whatnot. But but today. There's laws around everything. You got to have a license to hunt. You got to have a license to have a gun. You got to, you know, you can only hunt in this this season. But I understand why, because you don't want to diminish everything that, that's around us. You don't want to take every single moose because then otherwise it'll be none for my children, for your children, for our grandchildren. So I understand your question. And, and, and that's, I guess, just that's my take on That's my my opinion. 
barriers. I guess they are needed, but it seems odd that we are trying to put such a, a push or an emphasis on eating more traditional or more historical, yet the same opportunities aren't there for us anymore. No, no. And so I'll just tell you like a little bit of my experience. Like, you know, some people, some of the elders in, in the rural, the you know, the city centers, you, you know, I bring them fish, you know, that I, I get from, you know, when I go to uh, here and there to fish and, and you know, People love fish. I, like I met with John Arcan two weeks ago at his house and I brought him some pickerel and man, was he ever happy to have pickerel. He said, I haven't had pickerel in a while. So, you know, just some somebody like John Arcan, you know, he just appreciates having that that little bit of pickerel, whereas some people in the north, they eat pickerel every day if, if they could, you know, it's just a way of life. And some people are fortunate, more fortunate than others. The barriers, you know, for the people that live by the water, the the barriers aren't the same as people living in the cities and, and whatnot. Yeah, true enough. And plus, pickle's awesome. So anybody probably would love to have that. Yeah, um, pickle is awesome. <laughs> what does it mean to you to share the stories of the Métis people? Is it important to our future generations to share those stories? 100% it is, Mo, because I'll share with you a story. So I got invited to the Round Prairie Elders Lodge by the, uh, Shirley Eisbister here in Saskatoon. And, you know, I thought I was just going to go to the Round Prairie Elders Lodge and, uh, you know, just take some photos, take some and get some stories from elders. But then I ended up showing the elders there all my videos like through like that we've created so far. And um, I said, you know, I stand before you as a Métis man. I don't know everything about being Métis. I don't know everything about being Michif. But what I can tell you is what I've learned, what I've what I've been passed down. And so different elders share different stories. And I'm like, look at us. We're learning from each other. And so they they just they loved it. They thrived. They were, they were so happy that we were sharing those stories. And so it, for me, it means a lot to be able to be a story keeper and share their stories. So I said to them, I do this work not for me not for the Métis Nation. I do it for your grandkids, your great-grandkids, your great-great-grandkids. I want them to know who you are. And so when I capture a video, yes, you might be shy, but just think of it as you want your great-grandkids to see this and let you know who they are. So that's, I'm passionate about the work, Mo. I love it. I say to the staff, you guys all have great jobs, but I have the best job. <laughs> because I get to because I get to talk to people and and capture their stories and you know they open up to me and so I always say I have the McKay gift of gab my my dad liked to gab my granny liked to gab so I got their gab and that that allows me to do what I do day after day in capturing stories nice yeah you're really e easy uh, to talk to so that that's a great thing especially when you do what you do so uh, can I can talk I, to you. Can, as you as you say that, can I share a little story with you? Sure. Okay, so when I, the first year at Batosh, when I when I was just saying I'm the wandering mate right? So people, as soon as I brought the camera up, they were shy. They're you know how like our people get shy as soon as you see a camera, they don't want to talk. I said just pretend it's just me and you. We're two old friends. We haven't seen each other for a long time. And I tried to make people feel comfortable and almost. I'll say 98% people became comfortable right away because I made them feel comfortable. No pressure to talk, like do extra talking. Just we're two old friends. Let's just have a talk. And then once people found they were comfortable talking with me, some people didn't want to stop. They wanted their story to be heard. And I love that. I'm like, no, don't stop talking. Let's just keep recording. Let's just keep doing this. 
That's awesome. Now, now that's a gift because lots of people will accommodate, but they won't elaborate. So it, it's the difference. That's good. True. Um, so in in chatting with all these people that you've chatted with, and especially in in Batoche and those kind of places, is there any food customs specific to the Métis people that jump out at you? I mean, we're a food type of show, right? So um, mm-hmm. anything that jumps off the plate at you? Um, can you elaborate a little bit when you say food customs, Mo, and then... Well, you know, an easy one might be to say there's, you know, how to how to properly make tea over a fire. And what, what is making tea with uh, a bunch of Métis people mean to them, right? Uh, is there anything else, though, that, that maybe you've seen, uh, especially as an educator at Batoche? Is there food-specific pieces that you had? Well, if you want to go use back to Batoche as an example, you know, there's a uh... One of our northern Métis communities serves, they have a camp at Batoche, the Pine House Camp. And, you know, they they serve traditional food meals every meal. And it's, you know, fish, it's stew, it's bannock, it's it's everything traditional. So, so people that live, you know, in rural communities, they get to go and experience what it may like to be, to live like in Pine House and eat traditional food like that every day. So people look forward to going to eat the bannock, the fresh bannock, the fresh pickle. So this past Batoche, the Métis Nation decided to look after elders. Elders didn't pay for anything. You didn't pay for food. You didn't pay for, for um, to get in the gate. You were looked after. You didn't you pay. You didn't pay for snacks. You didn't pay for anything because those are the elders are the pillars of our community, right? We owe everything to our elders. So elders that got a chance that don't like like I just said um, that don't eat pickerel all the time. They loved it, and the lines were so long and and. But we want to look after the elders. So traditionally, yes, you, you know, you got people, they put on a sh- not not a, a show, but a demonstration of, of, of filleting pickle right there and then putting into the frying pan and put it, you know, ready to eat. And people were so amazed with that. In one of, one of my episodes, I went to um, La Crosse and learned how to fish and, you know, learned how to fillet the fish and, and then to be able to show people that on video it's a powerful image and and because you take for granted that you know fillet a fish is just always filleted you're ready to fry it or bake it or boil it or whatever you want to do and just eat it so people don't realize what happens what steps go on to having that fish on your plate you know somebody has to catch it somebody has to clean it you know so yeah I think this ties into another question, but I love to hear that. Uh, well, for one thing, the Métis Nation taking care of the elders—that's that's imperative, and I, I think it's brilliant. Bringing smiles to elders' faces—I think that's kind of a thing. So, what role do you believe food plays in healing and wellness? Because I think just by you saying, you know, they were happy to have that that food that they don't get, that's healing and that's wellness. And can you expand on that food doing that for people? Well, of course, because, you know, there are some elders who, for one reason or another, they're, they're moved into the city, but then all of a sudden they're, you know, they might be in assisted living or, or wherever. And traditionally, they, they won't eat pickerel or, or, or moose meat or anything at those places so like for instance if I, i'm going to bring up round prairie again you know the elders there shared with me like everything's metis focused at round prairie and you know they do serve some traditional meals on occasion and that brings 
like healing in a sense that it, it brings those elders back to where, you know, where they used to be, where they, what life used to be like, you know, and eating fresh fish, eating fresh moose meat. And so, yes, it is, it is a healing and it's powerful because it makes people feel like they're at home again. Well, yeah. And what's, what's cozier than a hug from your mom at home, right? Exactly. And a fresh hot piece of bannock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's the that's the best part of uh I I sometimes get an opportunity to go up north to teach uh cooking and uh one of my things is making bannock over a fire or on a stick over a fire. And so finding the right sticks and making the bannock and then eating that with either some, you know, brand new raspberry jam or some strawberry wild strawberry jam, something like that and making that experience memorable like lifetime memorable it's yeah it's a really good thing it's a really yeah. good thing that that brings me to just another you know um last year or the year before I, I went to stobart school in duck lake and they invited me to their their metis days so here i am it's raining but kids were at this open fire and they were learning how to make bannock on a stick and you know what it was pouring rain the kids didn't care they were having fun making bannock on a stick, eating and learning about what bannock is. And because, you know, our people have been eating bannock for hundreds of years. But here the school is educating, you know, this is what bannock is. This is what it meant to Métis and First Nations people. It was, you know, it was staple in, in our diet. We had to have it, you know, it was. And why did we have bannock? Because, you know, we didn't have a lot of ingredients and, and you know, the the land provided so much but here they are learning how to bake bannock on a stick and and getting their hands dirty and it was raining but kids didn't care yeah i love it i love it um so when we were chatting about the elders getting their pickerel i think i'm going to transition into uh now an institutional question because institutions here in saskatchewan are trying to include more traditional or indigenous foods into our food service systems do you see this as the positive way forward for us? Absolutely, I do. Because, you know, our people were the first inhabitants of this land. Like, you know, First Nations and Métis people were the first people here. Like, why wouldn't you want to teach our ways of life and, and what we used to eat? We weren't a burger and fries kind of people traditionally. We were bannock and moose meat or, you know, bannock and whatever. So 100% it's important for people to learn how our people used to live and what we used to eat and and to include that in the curriculum and and at the institutions that's that's very important because if they just learn a little bit about our people and we're not we're not extinct we're here we're we're we're, we're going to be here forever but if they would just it's a great opportunity to for people to learn a little bit of history but not necessarily open up a textbook and learn it you're getting hands-on experience of, of how our Métis people used to live and and why we ate stew or, or or bannock and and whatnot so yes i think it's very important i think those indigenous foods uh especially to the uh the people in the area are something that can teach people but it shouldn't be just closed off it shouldn't be just for Indigenous people either. I think this is a history we should all share. So uh, I think I'm with you. I, th I think that's a very positive thing. Yes, it is. Uh, so how could these uh, 
How could introducing all these traditional foods impact the current health state of our community? Well, you know what? If people had more access to traditional foods versus fast, quick, let's get, you know, fast food, let's get people fed. But because, you know, and again, Mo, this is just my opinion. Like food these days have, have, have so much chemicals, additives, preservatives in it, you know, to keep stuff from, you know, going rotten faster. And, and you know, back in the day, our gardens weren't sprayed with chemicals. There was no such thing. There's no, there was no GMO this or, you know, genetically modified. It, it, everything was natural. So if we could introduce that back to some people, you know, maybe some of the rates would come down of, you know, heart disease and whatever, because you won't go and skin a deer. You know, there's not a lot of fat on there. And, you know, there's such lean meat, you know, and a moose, you know, they eat grass and twigs. Like, they're not eating chemicals. So in my opinion, it could lead to, you know, some healthier living and maybe some reduction in those rates of uh, obesity and diabetes and heart heart disease and stuff like that. Yeah, your, your thought process is good. I mean, if you're not eating poison, you can't give the poison. So yeah, and, uh, food can only be medicine if it's not toxic. Exactly. Well, that's pretty good information. I think what we're going to do is round it out. Uh, we're at the end of our time. And uh, I'm just going to ask if you have any advice for our youth listening uh, to this podcast, specifically about health and wellness, but also, too, uh, maybe there's an aspiring uh, wandering Métis out there. <laughs> I hope there is, Mo. I really do, because uh, I don't want the wandering Métis to just end after me. I want it to keep going on and on and on and, and have four or five or six or ten more wandering Métis to to be able to keep passing on the knowledge, keep passing on the traditions. And if I did have any advice for youth, it would be, whenever possible, talk to an elder. Our elders have lived the stuff that we read in textbooks, they've they've lived that life. They know what it's, you know, what it, what it was like to live in the Depression and, and all that stuff. And I met uh, Margaret McCollum, 99-year-old lady from Isle of Cross, a few, uh, about a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago, I met her in, in, in uh, La Ronge. You know, she doesn't speak a whole lot of English, but we communicated through her daughter, Clara, you know, about how things have changed from, from you know, when she was a young girl till now. And my, like I reiterate, my advice would be just to go and consult with an elder. Just talk because elders love to be heard and listened to. And, you know, just do that because it, 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 it does so well for the youth and for the elder because you know it gives the elder a, a chance to to relive what it's like to be a young person again through a young person's eyes yeah that's good information i like that um do you know uh i've asked this question to all of our guests and i'll keep on asking the question but the real big theme that comes up is be curious ask questions um uh, be be proud of your culture and your heritage and and uh and learn so i think you're right in step with everybody else so far that's great all right on thanks mo uh i appreciate being on the show today um no question what is, what's the old saying no question is a stupid question right and that's so true because you'll you'll never know the answer unless you ask the question yeah i always I always find that I bump into answers too, or bump into stories. 
it's you know you ask somebody one question and it leads into a different question and or you know, the answer is something you wouldn't have ever thought about so uh i i love interviewing people because um i didn't know how much i didn't know mm-hmm. yes and so i'll just tell you like a little story again um uh you know, I was looking for a, a Métis chef and I'm thinking, man, where can I find a Métis chef that, you know, could come and do a cooking episode with me? Well, lo and behold, there was this Mo Matthew guy that inboxed me and <laughs> asked me if I'd be interested in doing this podcast. And, and you know, we, my answer came to me, you came to me and, and it was just out of sheer luck that, you know, I we became acquainted with each other and, and now... I'm here, and then you and I are going to do a cooking episode on the Wandering Métis, so I'm really looking forward to that, Mo, and uh, yeah, they're like, my Can't answer wait. came to me. <laughs> it works out like that sometimes, eh? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's awesome. All right, well, thank you very much for your time, Jason. Looking forward to working with you, and uh, we'll talk in the future. Okay, right on, Mo. Thanks a lot. appreciate it. I would like to take this opportunity to thank Eat Well Saskatchewan for their continuing support of our podcast, Our Food is Our Future. Eat Well Saskatchewan is a free provincial service offered by the College of Pharmacy and Nutrition at the University of Saskatchewan and funded in part by Indigenous Services Canada. Eat Well Saskatchewan is here to help bridge the gap for nutrition services to rural, remote and isolated communities that lack easy access to dietitians. And a huge thank you goes out to the Community Initiatives Fund for our funding and their vision. Without their support, we couldn't tell the stories of our people, our communities, our food, and our future. A heartfelt thank you, and Marseille.